Let's talk to God for a moment in prayer. Would you bow with me? Lord, we are here for you. We're here to bring glory to you. We're here to learn from you. We are here for our lives to be changed by you. So we pray, O oh God, that you would be pleased to grant our request. We pray that your Holy Spirit would go to work now in our hearts and our minds. We pray that we'd understand your word like we've never understood it before. We pray that you would grip us with your truth, convict our hearts. We pray that you would bring comfort to those who need to be comforted, encouragement to those who are discouraged, strengthening of faith to those who are doubting. Conviction, awakening, revival to those who may be complacent or apathetic. A work is only you can do, O oh God. In Jesus' name, amen. This past weekend, we were confronted with tragedy, with terror again. The news feed keeps going. And so many of you, probably all of us, saw pictures from Paris Hashtag pray for Paris started going all over Facebook and Twitter. That was encouraging. Many people were praying for the people of Paris, but these Islamic terrorists started to go into this soccer stadium and to this concert hall, and the death count continues to rise. Something like 127 or 129. Many, many people injured. Bombs were detonated. People were shot. The whole city froze with fear. The national borders were all closed. If you and I were there, as my wife's close friend was, just 12 blocks from where they were holding hostages, I would be hiding in the innermost recesses of my hotel room or my home or wherever I was, trying to hide away in some closet somewhere so nobody could come find me or that I have some kind of barrier between bombs that might go off or missiles or gunfire. And so we prayed for Paris, didn't we? I prayed for the people in Paris. I prayed for my wife's friend who was there, so close to what was going on. But that's just the tip of the iceberg, isn't it? Before we know it, another news story will come out. It seems like it's every day. A shooting at a school, high school, university, bomb threats, people destroying their lives with drugs and alcohol, marriages splintering, moral decay. It seems like the madness just won't stop. We're grieved about pastors who seem to be discarding essential doctrine, belittling the Bible, leaving people's faith on the ice. Our country... Our world is riddled with devastation, with tragedy, and we wonder, we wonder with Habakkuk, how long, Lord? How long is this going to go on? Do you see this? And when we ask questions like that, deeper questions rise to the surface. Questions that have destroyed people's faith. Questions about, is God really forgiving? Is God really loving? If God is really sovereign and just, Why isn't he doing something about this right now? And in that moment, you and I have a decision to make. 
out of our feelings. Because the news feed often makes us just downright nauseous, sick to our stomachs, because it keeps coming, it keeps coming, it keeps coming, or it makes us numb. Nausea or numbness with the news feed. And when we ignore those feelings, when we ignore the questions and we just try to push them under the rug, just try to act like they aren't there, fear and worry and anxiety only grow. That's what we're going to learn from Habakkuk. That ignoring them isn't going to solve the problem. Ignoring your questions, your doubts, trying to hide them as if God might be mad with you, with you angry at you if you brought them up, is going to somehow solve the problem. But in that numbness where we just hear it all the time, it's all over the place, that people are shooting each other, marriages are breaking apart, people are killing themselves on methamphetamine, on and on the list goes, terrorists around the world, our brothers and sisters in Christ being martyred for their faith, and you just kind of feel like, I don't have any feeling left. And the problem of evil and the questions of God's sovereignty and God's justice rise to the surface. And maybe right now, some of you here in this room, you have been thinking these questions for a long time, but nobody around you knows that, and you're hiding it really, really well. Your spouse doesn't know about it. Your Sunday school teacher doesn't know about it. Your pastor doesn't know about it. So is God good? Is God just? How does God respond to our question about the problem of evil? These are questions that Habakkuk volleys at, just pours out like a waterfall. I want you to turn to Habakkuk chapter 1. As you're turning there, I want us to see a little bit of historical context for you to understand how this fits together because there are 12 minor prophets and they're Major prophets, major prophets aren't more important than minor prophets. Minor prophets just wrote less. Major prophets wrote more. Isaiah, Jeremiah, these guys wrote long, long, long books. Habakkuk, just three chapters. Three chapters. But Habakkuk, in the timeline, I want you to see this wide gamut. You'll see this on the handout I gave you. This wide gamut here of the minor prophets. He falls just before the first deportation or the first attack of Babylon on Judah. By this time, the kingdoms of Israel and Judah were divided. Okay, so they, they're divided now. Israel to the north, 10 tribes to the north, two tribes to the south. Under the reign of David and Solomon, as you'll see here, roughly around 1000 BC, it was one nation, the people of Israel. But then the kingdoms were divided because of sin, because of rebellion against God's way, and so on. And so then the the northern kingdom of Israel in 722 BC was taken captive by Assyria. They came down up the Fertile Crescent and then down from the north, fulfilling the prophecies of, of God's messengers that, that judgment would come on Israel because they had rejected God, they had rejected his way, they're worshiping idols. And so Israel to the north, they've been taken off to Assyria. But Judah, Judah had some some. Righteous kings in the mix. Israel as a divided nation, they never had any really righteous kings. But King Josiah, King Josiah was a good king. He led these great spiritual reforms in Judah. But before him was this rotten guy named Manasseh. Manasseh, his 
legacy carried on even past Josiah to this guy named Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim. So Josiah dies. Jehoaz becomes king. And after three months, then Jehoiakim is placed there as sort of a vassal lord, really. And Jehoiakim worships pagan idols. He has no interest in God's rule, God's law. Sets up all the idols again that Josiah had torn down. Things are in this fast downward spiral. And soon judgment is going to come on Judah, not just Israel, but Judah. And that's where we find Habakkuk. He received this oracle. Another way to translate oracle is burden from God. Right around 605, 608 uh, BC. Just before the three, if you've gone through walk through the Bible, how many of you have done walk through the Bible or talk through the Bible seminars? So there's 605, 597, and 586 BC. The, the three attacks, the three deportations of Judah. The 597 and 586 BC were more deportations. 605 was really just the you're ours now sort of attack. Judah would now belong to Babylon. And so we find Habakkuk seeing what's going on. It's confronting him continually. It's smacking him in the face, this toxic soup of rebellion against God. He sees it all over the place, the immorality, the violence, the injustice. He's filled with frustration. So in Habakkuk chapter 1, it begins like this. The oracle which Habakkuk the prophet saw. Don't miss that. There's three points just in the first few verses about what Habakkuk is seeing. It's right in front of his eyes. Just like you and I, when when we read the news feed on Facebook, on Fox News, on CNN, on ABC, on CBS, NBC, all of this garbage, all of this bad news, it's right in our faces. We can't get away from it. And Habakkuk is walking around the streets of Jerusalem and it's, it's hitting him in the face continually. Can't get away from it. How many of you have that same feeling? I can't seem to get away from this. God, what are you doing here? And so the oracle, the burden, some message which Habakkuk the prophet saw, <laughs> he saw this, it's now weighing down on him. He says this, How long, how long, O Lord, will I call for help? And you will not hear? I'm calling out to you and it doesn't seem like you're listening. Like there's a concrete ceiling above my head and you're not hearing a word I say. I cry out to you, violence. Do you see that? I see it. It's right in front of my face. Violence. People murdering people. No just cause. People slaughtering other people. We see abortion, infanticide all over our nation, all over the Western world. We say violence. Yet you do not save? God, why aren't you putting a stop to abortion right now? God, why aren't you putting a stop to these just ridiculous slaughterings all over our country, all over Europe, all over the world. Why? Why do you make me see iniquity? See the iniquity. The immorality, violence and immorality, by the way, always go hand in hand. And if you think movies filled with violence are okay because it doesn't have immorality, you're wrong. Sorry. Violence and immorality always go hand in hand, neither of which please God. 
Why do you make me see iniquity and cause me to look on wickedness? It's right there. I can't seem to get away from it. Why are you doing this? Here are the points that he's bringing out. God seems insensitive to suffering and indifferent to injustice. Habakkuk right now. These are serious, hard-hitting questions he's leveling at God, aren't they? Almost feel like, I wouldn't ask God those questions. But are they in your heart? You just don't voice them? Yes, destruction and violence are before me. See, there it is again. Always in front of my face. Strife exists and contention arises. Therefore, the law is ignored. And justice is never upheld. For the wicked surround the righteous. So those who are doing what's right are surrounded by wicked people. How many of you feel that way sometimes? Everybody else around me is living like a hellion, right? Injustice, wickedness. Everybody around me is doing what's wrong. I don't know anybody at my workplace that's really living for what's right. Therefore, justice comes out perverted. It's skewed. I.e., the United States Supreme Court, maybe? And every other court in our land, it seems like justice is perverted. It doesn't come out right. Right is wrong and wrong is right. And we go, what is this? What is this? What's going on? What's going on? When you're filled with those kinds of questions, Habakkuk teaches us that you can give God all of your questions and all of your fears. You can bring God all of your fears because he's the only one who perfectly hears all of your fears. You can bring God all of those fears, all of those frustrations, and you know that he, unlike maybe your spouse, perfectly hears all of your fears, and he can take it because he's God. He knows the intentions of your heart better than you do. God loves Habakkuk. Habakkuk loves God. Habakkuk's the prophet of God, as it says in verse 1. But he brings all these questions like a volley before God because he's seeing all of this stuff, all of this stuff constantly in his face. Now look at verse 5. God responds. God will respond. You can bring him all of your fears because you know he will perfectly hear all of your fears, all of your questions, and he will respond. He may not give you all the answers you want, but he'll give you the answers you need. Understand? Because he wants us to gain his vantage point. Look at verse 5. Look among the nations. Look. Look among the nations. See, Habakkuk was seeing all of this, and then he says, wait, 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 no, wait. Look among the nations. Your, your vantage point, your perspective, Habakkuk, it needs to be the way I'm seeing this. So I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do here. Judah, the nation of Judah, that southern kingdom, is filled with violence and immorality and iniquity and justice, and justice seems to be skewed. Habakkuk, I'm going to do something about this. So look among the nations. Observe. See in a different way. And so as you, as you and I read the newspaper, 
although many of us probably don't read the actual paper. Maybe like me, you, you print off an article like, you know, or something, or you just read it on your tablet or your phone, or you watch the news, but you're seeing all of this. We need to read the newspaper like a backup, though, is going to learn to read the news, to see the news through God's vantage point. And we do that through, God's vantage point comes through God's word. It's not through something that we can figure out in our own mind, and our own hearts. All right, I got to make peace in my soul about this. It comes through knowing God's word, which gives us God's vantage point about what's beyond the present circumstances. Because God's timing usually doesn't fit our calendar, but we can trust him for the end because he knows how it's all going to end. And so he says, look, Habakkuk, look among the nations, observe, be astonished, wonder, because I am doing something in your days you would not believe if you were told. For behold, I'm raising up the Chaldeans, Chaldean and Babylonian are synonymous here. I'm raising up the Chaldeans, that fierce and impetuous people who marched through the earth to seize dwelling places which are not theirs. We're going to see an interesting contrast here because Judah, the people of Judah, Jerusalem, were doing the same thing, though not on the scale of the Babylonians, not on the scale of the Chaldeans, but they were taking dwelling places that were not theirs. So in each injustice, And in each case of violence, God's going to mete out justice and judgment against against Judah through the Babylonians, that fierce and impetuous people, look at verse 6, who march through the earth to seize dwelling places which are not theirs. They are dreaded and feared. Their justice and authority originate with themselves. That's important. Their horses are swifter than leopards and keener than wolves in the evening. Their horsemen come galloping. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle swooping down to devour. All of them come for violence. Look at verse 7, underline justice, see? Their justice is what they've contrived of in and of themselves. It's not true justice. Mishpat and Zadokah, the words in Hebrew for justice and righteousness, are of God's character, not man's character, justice, their own justice. And then in verse 9, all of them come for violence. See, the same things that were slapping Habakkuk in the face that he saw in Judah are going to come from Babylon, but actually bring judgment against Judah. All of them come for violence. The horde of faces move forward. They collect captives like sand. There's an interesting picture. Collecting captives like sand, it's like when you just go to the beach and get your shovel out, right? You get your shovel out to dig a hole in the beach, and you... It's just scooping them up, easy, like that. That's how Babylon's taking their captives. The Battle of Carchemish. Nebuchadnezzar had just conquered Egypt. So now they're, and conquered Assyria. They're the new world empire, and they're scooping up their captives like you would scoop up sand at Lake Michigan shoreline. Easy. They mock at kings, and rulers are... And, and rulers are a laughing matter to them. Like, you're in charge here? Ha! We're in charge now. You're a slave. They laugh at every fortress and heap up a rubble to capture it. So as they go to the outlying areas around a, around a fortress, they wipe out the villages, carry the rubble to the walls of the fortress, pile it up, and just run over top and take over. These guys were ruthless warriors. 
Then they will sweep through like the wind and pass on. Don't miss this, though. Habakkuk doesn't seem to quite hear the last part of this verse as we carry on, but it's there. But they will be held guilty. They whose strength is their God. Talking about Babylon there. They will be held guilty. They whose strength is their God. But this all doesn't make sense to Habakkuk. That you would choose the wicked Babylonians, the Chaldeans, to judge Judah? So he says this in verse 12. Are you not from everlasting, the eternal one? O Lord, my God, my holy one, we will not die. You, O Lord, have appointed them to judge, and you, O Rock, have established them to correct. I see that. I see that, God. Okay, they're going to bring judgment. But, 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 your eyes are too pure to prove evil. And you cannot look on wickedness with favor. So don't miss this. He's going to go with three more why questions. Why do you look with favor on those who deal treacherously? The Babylonians. Why are you silent when the wicked swallow up those more righteous than they? He's talking about Judah being far less wicked than the Babylonians. Surely, God, don't you see it that way? Why have you made men like the fish of the sea, like creeping things without a ruler over them? The Chaldeans bring them, all of them, up with a hook, drag them away with their net and gather them together in their fishing net. Therefore, they rejoice and are glad. Therefore, they offer a sacrifice to their net. That's a little bit of irony there. And burn incense to their fishing net. Because through these things their catch is large and their food is plentiful. Will they therefore empty their net and continually slay nations without spring? Is this just going to continue on and on and on and your people are going to be judged by these and these wicked people are just going to have a heyday? Just going to continue, keep going, and keep going? Habakkuk has now leveled all of his questions there. He's brought all of his fears, all of his frustrations to the only one who perfectly hears. And God has given him vantage point through speaking to him. And God has given us vantage point. We can gain God's vantage point through God's word. But does it still make sense? Not always. We don't see all that God sees. So look at verse 1 of chapter 2. Habakkuk's done talking. <laughs> he says, I will stand on my guard post and station myself on the rampart and I'll keep watch to see what he will speak to me and how I may reply when I am reproved. Faith waits. Miss that. This is so hard. In a hurry up, take charge, get it my way now kind of culture. Figure it out, get the answers, get the solutions, make sense of all of this. Waiting? Waiting, just waiting. Gonna stand there, gonna wait. A man named Hudson Taylor, we named our son after him. He was the first missionary to go to inland China. 
trained to be a doctor, never really completed his studies that way, but was trained as in, in medicine. He broke all the rules when it came to mission work because he said, look, there are millions and millions of people in inland China who don't know Jesus Christ. And these current missionaries, they just stay along the coast where it's comfortable with their comfortable salaries and comfortable living, hired servants. They don't seem to go inland at all. And they don't really try to learn the language of the people. They aren't dressing like the people. They're not connecting with how the people think. And so I need to go. I need to go to these people. God gave Hudson Taylor this burden on his heart to go to inland China. And he, he did his hair like a Chinese man and put on Chinese garb and learned their language and went where no Westerner had gone before. But at 29 years old, he was completely burned out, had no support left. He'd been working hard at it for six years. There was a lot of violence going on in China. Mission agencies were pulling out. He's, he headed back to England with his wife. They had experienced death and their family disease, sickness, to try to recover. At 29, he felt like he was just washed up. Sometimes God brings you and I to a place where we have to stop. God forced Hudson Taylor to stop and stand and wait in faith, patiently for God to lead, to speak. And it wasn't easy. Hudson Taylor's health was totally burned out. At 29 years old, he laid in bed for weeks and weeks and weeks. And slowly God restored him. He went out onto a beach shore and was praying similar questions like that. All these people in China are dying. They're dying and they're going to eternal condemnation and hell. And these people over here that call themselves Christians here in England, they don't even want to see it. They don't want to help. What are you going to do? God gave him an idea to start his own mission agency, China Inland Mission, which is still going today, just with a slightly different name. And for a long time, it was really hard to to communicate his plan to these establishment-type people. But one by one, Young men and women believed in what Hudson Taylor was communicating. And they went and they preached and they poured their lives out on the mission field for the gospel. Every major decision that you and I face takes waiting, doesn't it? Every time we have to, but it's so hard, to stand there and believe that what, what God has has done in the past as a promise and a model for the future, but he's too creative to do it the same way twice, as one of my teachers often said. Okay, I've seen God work in the past, but right now it seems like nothing is making sense. You're filled with a lot of questions. And that's when you stand still in God's sovereign will. God has responded to Habakkuk saying, look, the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, they're going to judge, they're going to deal with the injustice you see in Judah. Habakkuk goes, why in the world would you have those wicked people deal with so, people far better than, than them? But he's going to wait. He's going to wait and he's going to listen. See how he might be reproved? I don't take this as something smug like he's being belligerent there. Some... some 
commentators say, perhaps he was kind of smug here, but I see he's just, all right, I'm going to shut up. I'm going to listen to what God has to say. I need to gain God's vantage point through God's word. For us, this is this book, God's completed canon of scripture. God has revealed how this is all going to end. In the end, God wins. But right now, when we're faced with injustice, we need to stand still in sovereign will. Hudson Taylor clung to a poem, and it was unclear in my research whether or not he actually wrote it or somebody else, but listen to this. When he was going through all of that tension in between, suffering, doubt, discouragement, he read this, in every life there is a pause that is better than onward rush, better than hewing or mightiest doing, tis the standing still at sovereign will. There's a hush that is better than ardent speech, better than sighing or wilderness crying. Tis being, the being still at sovereign will, the pause and the hush sing a double song in unison low and for all time long. O human soul, God's working a plan goes on, nor needs the aid of man. Stand still and see. Be still and know. Some of you this morning are filled with questions, doubts, frustrations, the trending, what's going on. Here's, Here's what's trending, you know. Islamic State group claims responsibility for attacks that left at least 127 dead. Here. Organization releases official statement claiming responsibility and then stuff going on in Hollywood. Lindsay Lohan, actress wears Sharon Tate outfit and anniversary of Charles Manson's birthday. You know. Jihadi John, Pentagon says it is reasonably certain U.S. airstrike killed Islamic State group militant. U.S. Supreme Court judges agree to hear first case on abortion since 2007. But on and on it goes. But maybe this morning it's just questions about your, what you're facing in your own family. Or you're worried about the numbness you feel in your heart, about the injustice in the world. God wants us to stand still in sovereign will to wait patiently for him to move as only he can move. And it may not be in our timetable, what we want to see on our calendar. But God is just, and he will bring an end to this in his timing. This is what Habakkuk's going to learn next week, chapter 2. Would you bow your heads with me? I want us to search. Ask God to search in our hearts and our minds. There have been things that have been going on here. Maybe some of you are are in deep difficulty with a, with a, a child. Your, your adult child is not following Christ. Maybe even he or she has said they, they hate God. That's your question you're dealing with right now. God, I've done everything that you've told me to do to try to raise my child in the ways of the Lord, and this happens? Or maybe you've worked hard trying to honor the Lord and all that you've done in your job and then you get fired, laid off. Maybe yesterday or Friday night you were, you were crying. There were tears in your eyes as you, as you saw pictures of people walking out of restaurants and out of a concert hall splattered in blood because... Terrorists went in there and shot people up. 
and you wonder, God, what are you doing in all this? I know you're the everlasting eternal one, just like Habakkuk says. That you will deal with wickedness, with injustice, yes. But right now you're struggling with that. So for a few minutes here, voice your questions to God and and then wait because faith waits. Faith in the sovereign one. Stand still in the sovereign one. Faith, trust, waits, not with anxiety. It waits because we know our God holds the end of the story in his hands and he'll deal with perfect justice in the end. Don't care about people around you right now. If they hear what you're going to say, just say it to God. Here's what I'm struggling with right now, Lord. God may not answer all of your questions, but he will answer a few of them. So one pastor put it, the bottom line of faith is not to have all our doubts answered but to be sure of God. But to be sure of God. Let's pray together now. Heavenly Father, we confess <laughs> that we have short-sightedness. Sometimes our view is myopic, that we don't see from your vantage point in the suffering of this life when we're confronted by this news feed that keeps going 24 hours a day, we get discouraged, we doubt, we fear. We pray that you'd give us your vantage point. Help us to see as you see, as we see your word. To look, observe your word and to patiently wait for you to complete your story. Lord God, I pray for those here this morning who are struggling with these kinds of faith questions. I pray that you would open up your word to them, bring illumination by your Holy Spirit so that they can gain new vantage point, new perspective, your perspective. And Help us to wait and to listen when you respond. In Jesus' name.